You're listening to Dear Alice, a lifestyle approach to interior design. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Dear Alice. We have probably the biggest, the biggest star we've ever had on the show with us. It's big to us anyway. I think that so many of you, you know, tune in to hear a lot about what we're talking about. And today we get to sit at the feet of Ray Booth. Um, He is definitely one of our Oh, what do you say? Design crushes and heroes. heroes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm um, going to crawl under the table <laughs> with this lovely intro. Um, Ray is a partner at McAlpine and Tankersley, and he is both an architect and an interior designer and a product designer and furniture designer. So he is he is that pocket knife that you want with you at all times. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he can do it all. The Gerberman. Totally. A pocket knife. I love that analogy. <laughs> yeah. So we're so excited <laughs> because we've met Ray probably on three different occasions at High Point, um, which would um, obviously be going on right now. And yeah. so we're all missing each other. And we said, let's get old Ray yes. on the phone and let's let's just talk <laughs> about design. And that will be just kind of a healing balm right now. Yeah, (laughs) totally. Yeah. Well, y'all are, y'all are so sweet to invite me to to speak with you about it. And I remember the day, I think in mass, you came up uh, and I got to meet you all in person at, uh, at High Point Market. And, you know, it was one of the loveliest uh, experiences to just get to meet you and then start following the amazing work that you guys are doing and and develop a friendship um, here in in the industry with um, with other people that I respect so much. So so really, thank you so much for inviting me. Oh, well, it's it's such a privilege and a treat. And um, y'all, I can't say enough good about Ray. I'm going to tell you right now, you need to follow him on Instagram at Ray Booth. Is that right, Ray? Is that your? Ray Booth Design. Yes. Ray Booth Design. So um, you're going to want to look that up while you're listening to that to this podcast so you can, A, see his beautiful face and know who you're talking to. <laughs> He's one of those people when you meet him, you're like, don't make eye contact. Don't make eye contact. Oh, it burns. It burns. Mercy. Mercy. He's, he's such you. a beautiful edifice for this even more lovely soul. And um, he's just such a, a Southern gentleman. So it's really a treat to get to meet somebody like you, Ray, who's so freaking talented, but humble at the same time. And I think that's one of the things that we love most about you is that you just, you feel like a human to us, even though you're a rock star. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for that. Listen, um, I'm an awful lucky man to get to do what I love and what I have loved doing since I was three or four years old. I, um, I learned and uh, appreciate a love of home in large part because of um, my mother, who <clears throat> my mom had grown up incredibly poor in, uh, in Georgia, just outside of Atlanta, and didn't really have a great home of, of her own until much later in life. And so she always had this uh, amazing affection for houses and um, had had an occasion when she was a young girl to go stay with uh, distant relatives in a beautiful antebellum house uh, when some things were going on in her family. Mm -hmm. And for her, 
I had a very young age where she was removed from her family. And, and I'm sure that was a very difficult time for her. I think she was maybe three years old at that time, but she experienced this beautiful antebellum house with the big columns and the circular staircase and big grand piano. And my mom always talks about this house. And whenever she talks about this house, she also talks about this couple, which was a childless couple that kind of took her in and, and showed her all kind of love and affection at this, what was a vulnerable time for her being removed from her family. And um, I think for her, it really cemented uh, this new thing that she was experiencing, art, you know, this beautiful architecture um, with this kindness and this emotion and this grace uh, that she was being offered by this couple. And so she's always been hooked and had a love of houses and home. And so that really led me into that um, from a very young age. So, so I'm, I'm honored to get to talk about it with you and, and, and most thrilled every day that I get to work in, in this industry. Oh, what a treat. I'll bet your mom is so proud of you. You know, she is Betty Booth. I wish you could meet her. She's, she's a bright light. She, uh, oh. she's just a wonderful woman. Oh, I love that. Oh, Perfect bet she, name. Betty I know. Booth. Betty Booth. Betty Booth. Can't write yeah. stuff like this. <laughs> <laughs> Are you well, making was, that up, Ray? <laughs> it was Betty Ann Gann. And then she met my father, Russell Booth in high school and they started dating the last couple of years, he was a year uh, ahead of her in school in uh, East Point, Georgia. And so she, people knew even in high school that they were going to get married. And Betty Boo, Boo was a cartoon character. So she's always kind of had that nickname, Betty Booth. Oh, that's um, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she kind of looks like the cartoon character as well. Oh, that's so funny. She's a glamour girl. I bet she's she, a Betty. Yeah. She, yeah, she's definitely a Betty. <laughs> oh, I love that. I'll bet she just stands in your spaces with tears in her eyes and her hand over her heart. So, so proud it, of you. It, when I get to, you know, my sweet mama, she loves her home, uh, which is in Huntsville, Alabama. And it's hard to get her out of it. Um, oh. She's a homebody, unlike her son, which my, my grandmother nicknamed me the roadrunner from an early age because I was always on the go. Uh-huh. Um, but when I am able to get her out of her house and, and get to take her on a tour of, uh, of anything that I've done, it, I think it's, it, it is really something for her to see. And I hope she knows um, what a bearing she had on me finding my way and work in my career. Uh, I hope she, she, realizes that she had a big, big role in that. Mm. Well, I'm sure she knows. If not, you can put it in a Mother's Day card and, and yeah. give that to her. <laughs> well, I did dedicate my book to her yes, you um, did. for that reason, that reason. The ultimate Mother's Day card. We got to write a book, Sue. Yeah. <laughs> we owe it to our moms. <laughs> yeah. Our grandma well, yeah. <laughs> Ray, I if think the, if there's... No other reason. <laughs> yes. Exactly. I think if there's one thing that I really hope for people listening to get to learn from you today is there's like a real sort of special, intangible, kind of romantic sort of philosophy. As you look at your spaces, there's a thoughtfulness that goes into your design. And it's clear that you have a really special relationship with the people that you're doing it for Mm -hmm. and with 
with yourself in, and also having the humility to be able to like get over, you know, one's own ego and to be able to really, truly tap into that person's soul and then to create the physical representation of who they are in a home, which today I feel like is more important than ever before. Right. Can you speak to, um, to that sort of process a little bit of how, well, how you get to know someone well enough to do something like this? Sure. Sure. You know, we at McAlpin really, it's a tenet that, that, and I'll, I'll say Bobby probably enlisted this in us. And I, I, I've had the good fortune of, uh, I was an intern when I was in school for architecture and Bobby was one of my first professors. And I got to, uh, to intern with them my last, I guess it was three years in, in college and then moved off to New York and <clears throat> they brought me back 10 years later. But um, I think he has always been such a listener. And, you know, in this industry, uh, I think a lot of times we see these bigger than life personalities who come in and they've got all kind of opinions and they just, you know, run off all those opinions and have all those ideas. And, and there's always been, um, I think our approach has been to, to be humble and be quiet and to listen to our clients and understand, you know, what matters to them. I think if, um, if we're going to do this work and if we're going to be successful and if we're going to create emotional architecture and interiors, we got to know what hits people in the heart. We got to know what gives them joy. You got to know what breaks their heart. You know, I I like to even ask people, where did you meet? Um, Where did you fall in love? Um, You know, you can pull all these kind of cues out of people that tell you a little bit about who they are and a little bit about their story. And with those tools, those little seeds, you can start growing a design that is very bespoke and very specific for them and contains cues, you know, be it maybe material selections or, or any little, little design element that can reference back to the stories that they have told you about themselves. And I think when you're, trying to strike that emotional connection with somebody for them to see that little piece of evidence in some material form that you can hearken back to what you heard from them because you were listening. Um, it makes it really meaningful. Um, and I, I think that's really been part of how we've always strive to, to do our work and, and really eat, Beyond that, just spending time with our clients, just in the beginning, having some time for me personally, I'll, I'll even go shopping with them, not shopping with an intention, but just to spend an afternoon together, walk through showrooms or look through books or magazines and understand what their eye sees, which may be different than yours. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you hit on it, you know, take the ego out of it, really strive to to understand and know them and start the process that way. Yeah, that's so special. I find is 
um, architects. Uh, Sue and I have worked with, you know, so many different architects. They're definitely mm-hmm. like the surgeons of the doctor world, you know, yeah. and, and <laughs> it often comes with fast cars and big ideas about oneself. And, and they're usually, you know, the smartest one in the room kind of a right. feeling. And so, right. so to learn, you know, about your process and to, you know, read gosh, Bobby's forward in your book makes you want to weep. Oh. My well, gosh. it does make me weep. I mean, for that man to have oh. honored me by by writing such, um, this floors me. And I'm just, you know, I am the luckiest man is all I can say for my associates and the people that we get to work with. And that runs on down the line. So yeah. lucky, lucky, lucky. Oh, well, I just, I mean, you don't really hear that from folks with your kind of talent and, um, you know, that are so, so, so big in the game right now. I think that, you know, everybody is, is, is saying your names. And so I love the humility that comes in what you do. Um, there's a really, I I've gotten to meet one of your partners, Greg Tankersley on two different occasions uh, out here in Utah yes. <laughs> with, with different um, prospective clients. And, um, we've been able to walk, uh, the beautiful home, um, the Walker mansion down on Walker lane oh, in wow, holiday, sure. Utah. And yeah, you guys have shown that project, uh, several different times. And, um, it's just, it's like such an incredible experience to walk that work. That's probably the mm-hmm. only project I've really walked through. But one of the things that Greg taught me, and I think about it really, really often, and I'm hoping that maybe you could even teach us something, no pressure, if you can, Uh-oh. nothing comes to mind. But one of the things Greg taught us that, um, that's really stuck is he said, whenever you do something grand, you have to do something humble next to yeah. it. And, yeah. and as a designer, um, you know, we're often creating these things and we'll probably, we do those things, but we've never heard it articulated. And, mm-hmm. and even now, if we, if we're doing like this, monster, huge, grand fireplace moment, we think we've got to put a little chair by it. You know, we've got to do something little in concert with this really grand moment to be able to, Mm -hmm. to be able to give it that, that sort of tension, but also, you know, bring it down on a really human level. Is there anything in your work that like a, a belief or is there anything that you're like, Oh, this is another good one that, you know, that we believe at McAlpine or something that you believe for yourself well, you know, it all harkens back to the human soul and what we need as living creatures. You know, what living creature does not need big, expansive moments, but but needs that intimate, humble, quiet space. You know, sometimes we hurt. Sometimes we have great joy and you want spaces to articulate those needs and emotions that we all have, um, as living beings. So, um, so you're, y'all understand and know this intuitively as well. I think all of us do. Um, and we look for those spaces and sometimes those teeny tiniest, you know, I can, I can use an analogy of our house. We built this glass, <clears throat> essentially tree house up on a hilltop in Nashville. We've got these glass walls and corners that look to these expansive views and, um, and and it's, it's, it's wonderful to get to, to experience God and nature from this vantage point. But at the end of the day, we end up in this teeny tiny little room that we call the evening room where we, 
you know, have a cocktail or we watch TV and we cuddle up on the sofa and we need as much of this experience of this expansive view as we need that quiet, simple space to end our evening. So I think just looking for opportunities in architecture and in design to, to accommodate both things. And, you know, there is this yin and yang there's, you know, um, I don't believe in anything being all black and white. There's shades of gray all in, in between that. So. Mm, That's so good. I love that answer. Um, I have a question for you. One of the things, well, actually we asked all of the designers that work for us. We, we meet on Monday mornings and I Mm -hmm. said, you guys, what do you want to know from Ray Booth? We're going to be talking to him on Wednesday. (laughs) And one of them asked a simple question, but to me, I'm like, oh, so good. Um, Because one of the most romantic things about just looking at your images is your space planning and Um, you know, you talk about like the yin and the yang and obviously with your background in architecture, but then knowing what you do about interior design, it's not just this beautiful envelope of a space, but the way that you space plan it is Mm -hmm. like, it's a conversation even with the room being completely empty. And I, Mm. do you have, oh, they're so incredible. And, and those of you that are scrolling through his Instagram account right now know that you need to buy his book, um, it's called Evocative Interiors, and <laughs> it's just so beautiful to hold in your hands and, and also to keep on a, you know, right now I keep it on my entry console because it's just so gorgeous. But can you speak Thank a you. little bit about um, how you approach space planning? Well, sure. You know, I think. Um... Did you know that 35% of adults report experiencing poor sleep quality? Let me put you onto something that is going to transform your sleep. Cozy Earth Bedding is temperature regulating people. This is huge. If you and your spouse do not sleep at the same temperature, which most people don't, I'm freezing, my husband's hot. This is a massive benefit and breakthrough for us when we started sleeping on Cozy Earth. You can both sleep on the same mattress with the same sheets and be completely comfortable. They also have a 100-night sleep trial guarantee and a 10-year warranty, which I don't know of anybody that does this. They're that confident in the product, and so am I. When I first touched Cozy Earth products, I could not believe the soft hand on it. It also almost has like a cool feel to your hand. To your um, hand. It's like slippery dolphin, like your feet swishing around is so, so addictive. I can't sleep with anything but cozy earth sheets. I'm obsessed. Um, Also, you need to treat yourself to the ultimate comfort with cozy earth. I love the sleepwear. I love the sweats and the bedding is amazing. You can prioritize your self-care, your sleep health. If you just head over to cozyearth.com and use the promo code dear Alice for an exclusive 35% off. You guys, we don't have to wait for a sale. You can use this anytime. Again, the code is Dear Alice for an exclusive 35% off. Better sleep awaits you with Cozy Earth. For me, I, I did get my start uh, going to school for architecture, graduated with a, a degree in architecture, but pretty soon, immediately out of college, I, I had interned with Bobby, as I alluded to earlier. And, you know, I was working in Montgomery, Alabama and went to school at Auburn in Alabama. And this fella needed a a New York City experience. I'd always had a a Mm -hmm. hunger for for cities 
as a young young man. And so I took off to New York. Um, I had never been to New York. I had no place to live. I had no job. I had, I think, $750 in my pocket and three friends. And, <laughs> you know, I arrived in New York and I, I did have a lead. Um, I also had a lead and that was to uh, uh, head to the office of John Saladino, who remains in my head. Uh, he was such a, an amazing teacher for me to get to work with for a number of years there. Um, but he revealed, after having studied architecture, how much deeper the rabbit hole goes. And it was just like, I thought I'd figured out and learned all these things in school. And then I got up to his offices and he was practicing. He practiced some architecture, but uh, primarily interior design. And it just was this revelation. And so I took this deep dive into uh, furnishings and, and decoration. Um, and, and that led me on a path of then working for other designers, a woman named Cloda in New York. And, and then my good friend, David Howell, started an office and I worked with him. But all of that work was primarily interior design. So I had gotten away from my architecture, which I love so much. So when I started really exploring how to space plan and how to um, furnish a room, uh, decorate a room, a lot of the tricks I had up my sleeve were architectural tricks. And they would be ways that you would think about how a city might be composed and, and the use of scale and proportion and relationships, you know, how one chair needs to have a conversation with another and that even as you said and I, I appreciate and am tickled with this kind of reference that even in an empty room you can see a conversation going on because the furnishings are laid out in a way number one that invites you into them to come and say you know gosh I want to cuddle up with you with a cocktail and <laughs> and 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 talk um but but it is those tricks of scale and proportion, some things operating on a lower scale, some things operating on a higher scale, some things um, being gathering devices that pull together smaller, more disparate um, pieces and parts in a room and, and cradle and, and hold them. Um, so I think just trying to uh, exercise my architecture – in what was for, for the first part of my career, strictly interiors projects, um, I was able to, to do that with furnishings and create space and uh, in rooms in that way. Mm -hmm. I'm not, not sure that was a good answer no, to it's a, amazing. your question. Well, and I think one of the really awesome things too is if, you know, just getting to meet Ray Booth and then have him, you know, talk to you about some of the favorite pieces you've created for Hickory Chair You've, you've even got like chairs that work two ways, you know, you can straddle it or you could sit on right. it like this, or you could sit on it sideways, you know, yeah. and, and all of those, all of those things work in a, in a great conversation or, or a great room, you know, where maybe you're going to jump into a different conversation. Exactly. And, <laughs> Listen, if, if furniture yeah. like architecture can encourage us to interact and, and become closer and have these meaningful conversations and relationships, furniture can actually do that. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't want furniture that turns it back in one way and is very restrictive. I mean, maybe that's appropriate for certain places, but in large part, we want our rooms to be 
mechanisms that activate our lives, you know, that they are really their tools and uh, postures that that really encourage us to be our best selves and to to interact. Can you guys see why we needed to interview Ray Booth today? No. <laughs> <laughs> You're a therapist. Did you know that? I know. I'm going to float home. One, and so that's, that's why I'm speaking to myself. Oh, it's so amazing. I, that so. chair that I was talking about that you can sit on three ways. Um, it really is like such a party trick. Talk about yes. pocket knife. That thing. It is a party oh, trick. <laughs> it does. It does it all. And, and ever since watching you sit on it so gracefully in every different way, you're like, well, I got to have one of those. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. amazing. Thank you. What yeah. is it called, the the chair from a creature? What is oh, yeah, what did you, you know, name we've, it? We've we've named it the conversation yeah. chair. Um, That's perfect. It, it, it's it's based <laughs> off of uh, Irish conversation chair that, that I had come across in London and had to have because I had never seen anything like it. It almost looks like a kind of a prayer do, like a prayer chair. Mm-hmm. And listen, I have done some praying in it, so um, <laughs> so I guess it it works that way too. Okay. Um, but it was just it's this wonderful little anomaly uh, in a room that that is intriguing and and pulls you into interacting with it. Well, this is why we're grateful that Ray Booth is a roadrunner so that he can go to London and see an Irish prayer chair, prayer chair and make it available to us all through Hickory Chair. So thank you for, for walking the world over for us, Ray Booth, well, so that we can live again, with such beautiful things. <laughs> lucky am I. Lucky am I. Oh, amazing. Um, so I'm curious. You obviously are architecturally schooled. You do interior design and now you've, mm-hmm. you've ventured into this world of product design through, um, we just saw yes. the collection with arteriors as well as the extraordinary collection through Hickory chair that you just kind of stand, you know, like I remember when it launched, I just stood in that entry scene and I was just like, shh, everybody just, shh, just. <laughs> yeah, hush, hush. yeah. Just look at it, and you kind of put your hand over your heart. You're shh, shh, nobody say anything. It's just so beautiful. And I remember coming to you and saying, "Ray, what do you call this color? It's not blue. It's not purple. It's." And you said, "Well, I think the best things in life can't really be described." And <laughs> I think yeah. I got a tear in my eye. Mic drop. It was just, uh, yeah, we mic drop. It's so <laughs> incredible. I mean, it's just absolutely absolutely inspired. Um, is there a difference in how you approach interior design versus product design? I, you know, I think they are all well related to me. It, it was, um, it was a challenge in that I've always done some custom products for almost all of our design uh, projects. So certainly I had some of those cues and things to pull on, but, you know, we get so used to operating in certain channels of our brain for me, maybe that's interior design and and architecture. And so to have this invitation from Hickory chair to design what, what was a fairly large line of furnishings for them required that I, I really had to turn on and activate an entirely different section of my brain. Um, and I'm happy to tell you that it seemed to work. Um, <laughs> yeah, I started, I started just pulling on different ideas about how and what was needed in 
the marketplace and and in any room that I might be personally furnishing that didn't exist in the world. I, I really wanted to look for things that were not simply reproductions, but that were somewhat innovations and in a, a new language to speak. And, you know, I, I started with Hickory Chair, who I got to say is like falling into family for me. I just get them as far as their corporate culture, um, the care that they give to the people that work in that factory and and produce the, the furniture here in, in the United States for, in large part, like 90 percent of, of what they produce for my line is all produced here in the States. But, um, you know, I sat in front of them for the presentation and this is a company that's in Hickory, North Carolina that builds things out of wood. And I came to them and I said, you know, what I'd really like to design with is steel. And I'm here to tell you, they looked at me cross-eyed for about <laughs> a minute and a half, maybe two minutes. But, you know, it was just a totally different thing for them. And and then they said, okay, we're going to figure it out. And listen, they jumped in there and they found uh, this company, Charleston Forge, which is right up the road in Boone, North Carolina. And they, they found ways to make this furniture that I was trying to pull out of my crazy brain into reality. Um and I'm getting up maybe off on a tangent, but um, I, 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 I think your original question was about does, um, does my product design follow my architectural and um, interior design? And, and I've, I've got to say it's rooted in similar things, but, but it was uh, a chance to really create architecture on a much smaller scale. Um, and, and with that need for what doesn't exist out there, what am I not just reproducing? What am I really bringing to the table that is of new idea and new thought and hopefully value for that reason? Which I have to say is incredibly, incredibly hard. Um, we've been designing our own product for, oh gosh, I, for about a year now. It hasn't hit the market oh, fantastic. yet. Oh, I know my gosh. It, it's so exciting. And, and it really is like such an interesting exercise when you talked about how, how it's a different channel in your brain. Um, but yeah. th there are things I feel like as a designer that you're like, I, I feel like I've seen so much, but there's still things mm -hmm. that I wish were available and so, right. so you create them because, yes. because they're not yeah. available and only, you know, that for the type of work that you're doing of what's available for your projects. And you're like, you know what, mm -hmm. there isn't a really generous sized barrel back chair that has some sort of reveal that lightens it up. You know, I mean, that mm -hmm. beautiful mm -hmm. chair that you created is both sculptural and comfortable and generous and it's yeah. just, it's just so graceful to look at, you know, but at the same time, you're uh, like, you. I got to go get in that, you know, it's, <laughs> the title it's, of it's yes. perfect as far as being a conversation chair. Cause you really, you can't not talk about it when you see it standing there by itself mm. without even a right, human in right. it. Um, but then when yeah. you do get to use it and again, just culture those relationships, like, mm -hmm. I feel like that's a big thing in all what you've been talking about as far as the relationship between furniture, the relationships between people, the relationship with your clients, it's all very intimate and it's all, I don't know, it's inspiring. Well, it, you know, it is as intimate as we can get. And I think in the design profession, in particularly in interior design, where 
it's more than just the edifice. It's more than the sticks and the bricks. It is the emotion. It is the tactile. It is the, the things you touch every day. It is so personal. It is. Um, and what a, you know, that's church. If you get it right yeah. mm-hmm. for, for your clients, that that's something it can be something spiritual. I don't mean to oversell it, but, but for, for anyone to have a sense of place and a sense of belonging in a way that I think we, we can possibly give them is um, it's just a real honor to get to work in that regard mm-hmm. for people. Yeah, that's the truth. And I feel like once you've done it, that you've got this lifelong bond you know, it's like, right. it's kind of like if you've gone through something really hard with something to, you know, somebody together that you're just like, yeah, we have something really deep. And I think, you know, building a home is, it is, it is very difficult. It's a, a process yes. of making 1 million decisions, you know, and, <laughs> and um, you have to be a good decision maker. And, and I find that, you know, clients that come to us and I'm sure come to you, they don't know how to make these these many right. decisions, but, but they're also, I think, cultured enough and they really want a beautiful home and they're mm-hmm. humble enough to say, I need to turn this over to you because I don't want to mess it up, but it's very, right. very important to me. And so all of a sudden you need to make this, this bond pretty quick. And, you know, and I think that that's important in choosing anybody. I think choosing a builder, you know, we always say, don't go with the least expensive bid, go with the person that you want to work with. Because this is a long relationship. It really is. And, and, you know, it is, it's, it is about that team that you assemble. It's, it's not about the perfect designer, the perfect architect, the perfect builder, you know, or the perfect client for that matter. It's, it is, we work on behalf as an uh, organism Um, together, we make the strongest project Mm -hmm. Um, when, when you really do pick uh, the people who have the best relationship with you and thus with with the other people you bring to the team. Yeah, truly. That's what makes it long lasting too. I think we get a lot yes. of questions yeah. about trends and all those things, but this emotional design that you keep referring to, you know, like where did you fall in love? If we can tangibly like reflect that in a space, mm-hmm. like that's something it, that will never it go changes out of style. Things. Yeah, exactly. It never goes out of style. And listen, that is part of the goal is to create timeless architecture and interiors. Mm-hmm. And you do that by context. That's yep. either context with your client, context with their heart, with their emotions, but it can also be context within the environment in which you're building. You know, if mm-hmm. you, and I, I used the analogy before of my own house uh, here in Nashville on the hilltop. We look out over the city. We've got big sky. And in the far distance, we've got these beautiful, hazy, atmospheric, purpley mountains. All of those were colors that I pulled into our living room. The whites of the clouds, the, that atmospheric purpley blue became our sofa. The silvery grays became of the clouds became our carpets. If you can anchor your decisions about design in something that is meaningful or, or connects to context, it's always going to be in style. It's always going to have a sense of place. Now, that's not to say we might want to change it up after 10 years 
Mm-hmm. Uh, much to the chagrin of my husband, John Shea. Um, <laughs> but, but it but is hard to understand if you're married to a designer, <laughs> why on <laughs> earth you'd want to change something that you so painstakingly made the first time that right, was supposed right. to be exactly right. But yeah, there is, there is something to sort of restyling or reimagining a space that, you know, well, we've got to listen, <laughs> yeah. our hearts get restyled and reimagined almost on a daily basis, right? We're yeah. always, learning new things if we're living life in the right way. And, um, and so as reflections of our, of our hearts, I think our environments, um, have to change a little bit too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One thing that I, I noticed in, you know, reading a bunch of these, uh, shelter magazines, y'all just Google Ray Booth (laughs) for fun. He's been (laughs) in every great shelter magazine. Um, and there's so many great interviews that have been had by you, but one thing that was evident was that you love to learn. And, um, you even talked, I think it was in gallery magazine about how you, um, somebody was asking about your design process and that was one of our questions. And, and I think Mm -hmm. I didn't really ask it because you said like, you're, you're so open mindset that you're like, you know what? I, I'm open to, to doing a different process for, for each client, because maybe something's going to inspire you differently. You know, like you talking about standing on your hilltop and seeing that the colors in nature were what you wanted to bring inside. Maybe Mm -hmm. you'll, hear a love story from one of your clients and, you know, go down that rabbit hole. But I just, it's exactly right. You know, it's boring if we just use the same process every time. And um, with this particular job you're talking about in gallery magazine, it was something totally different that than what we typically do. It was an ultra modern house with this extraordinary architect, 1100 architect out of, um, out of uh, New York City. We, we, we do our own architecture. We work with other architects, depending on who comes to our door. But um, for whatever reason, they were attracted to our work for the interior design. And it was what they were looking for was not anything that we typically do. But if you take on those particular projects, what you're not only offering your clients is certainly the experience in your process and what you might bring to the table. It's different, but you're able to open yourself to learning new things from this particular person. And I think that just relates back to what you mentioned about learning. I I feel like we are lucky to expand the dexterity with which we can, you know, create um, by accepting different kinds of, of design challenges and projects and clients that, that show up to your door. It makes it more fun. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. And we often, you know, we'll say, well, this isn't really for us. And so we need to, you know, we need to get to know you guys because we're going to create mm-hmm. this home for you, you know? And, yes. and, and so we take our best, best stab at it as a designer, but we really, really need their, their input. And, as much as transparency as they can be, which is really hard because sometimes they don't know how to articulate in interior language exactly who they are or what they want or what they want to experience, especially if they are living in something that, you know, is, is so far, um, I don't know, it's just like so so not them. Do you know what I mean? And right, so right, right. It, it's, it's a really, it is such an intimate process. And 
Um, I appreciate knowing some of the questions that you ask and how you get there with them. Mm-hmm. And you really do have to stay so open-minded. I, we were talking with a client um, in Dallas and she was saying, all my girlfriends use Jan showers and you walk in and you say, Oh, did Jan showers do your home? And you right. know, like there's this sort of stamp right. on it. And, and I think, Oh gosh, let's never do that. I mean, not nothing wrong with Jan showers. Incredibly talented. Oh, no. I love, Beautiful. I love her and her work. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's just kind of a, it's a, a call to us interior designers to say, let's not do our thing in their home. Let's really do them in, in their home. And the best that we speak this foreign language that they don't, let's do our best to interpret who they are to create that for them so that people walk in and they say, this is so you, you know? Right. Well, and you know, I, I think there's so much room for, for everybody's different process. I, I love that y'all approach that because it is it is so similar to our the way we approach things. But there are designers, and let's just stay with Jan Showers, that have mastered and have a very specific way that they achieve their design. Um, or, you know, Thomas Pheasant or whoever you want to 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 throw into that. I have such respect for what they do and how um, disciplined they can be within their own aesthetic that I just, I guess I'm lazy. I just don't think I have you, that kind of, uh, I don't think I have that kind from, of discipline. <laughs> I, I think what you're doing is the calculus of interior design, Ray Booth. It is uh, incredibly difficult to break process and to, you know, try something new and to continue learning, you know, and, and yeah. just to stay present. And I think, uh, um, throughout your book and some of these um, articles we read about you, it seemed like there's like this contemporary side that, um, you know, these notes that you hit on to yeah. always stay current, to always create, um, you know, a really interesting room so you don't fall too, too deep down the traditional path. And sure. And you're just always, um, I don't know, there's just always sort of a different muscle that it feels like you're flexing or engaging and and it makes the, it just really feels designed, you know? <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. yeah it's Thank incredible. Um, I wanted to ask you what inspires you? Well, gosh, um, what doesn't, um, inspire me? Um, it is, it is the simplest, um, in the everyday. Um, it can be, you know, in, in this particular time, in this crisis, um, I've, you know, there's, as we were talking about, there's always something good that can even come out of something that's as tragic as, as this particular, um, crisis has been. And for me, I, um, I have discovered, uh, the love of trail running. Mm. (laughs) I had never done it before in my life. That seems so scary, by the way. It oh, just God, seems like amazing. you can roll an Listen, ankle at any time. Yes, you can. <laughs> and, and I'm a cautious, uh, novice trail runner. Let me, let me be perfectly clear. I'm, I'm not going out there with all kind of zest and gusto, although at times I, I do get a little carried away, but, um, you know, I, I have gone and I go with my phone and again, the blessings that you can discover when you're least expecting them, but, you know, to, to see these beautiful little may apples, I think is what they're called come into bloom and, and, um, the light fall at a particular moment on a trail that I've run 
you know, three times this, that week, but not at that particular time. Um, I, I find inspiration in just those moments. I can be on a beach, um, and walking along the water's edge and the light that penetrates through the, the surface of the water and the pattern that it's, that it creates on a, you know, a, a shallow sandy, um, bank. I, I just, um, I, I, I find it in the every day and just trying to keep my eyes open and my heart open to see it. And, and now I really am talking to myself because I get in my head as much as anybody. So, mm. so really trying to make a conscious effort to, um, to see yeah. what's out there. I think that's so beautifully said, Ray. And there's like such a gratitude, I feel like, in the work that you do and the way that you see the world um, and how open you are to all of it. You know, it just it, uh, you can absolutely feel your humility. And I love that you keep saying how lucky you are in life. I think we should all we should all glean and learn from that because we are all so lucky, um, yeah. especially those of us that get to be in creation. I think that's one of the most beautiful Amen. things that, that a person yeah. can take part in. And whether that's like making a recipe at home or, you know, working on a science fair project with a kid or, you know, it's, I think it's such a beautiful thing. Um, Listen, we're, we're all creative beings. I mean, really, you know, I, I am a, a spiritual man, not a highly religious man, but I'm deeply spiritual. And um, I think that that our creator created us to be creative and thinking beings. I, uh, my greatest satisfaction in life is, um, my happiest time is going out, digging in the dirt, planting something, working in the yard, finishing that and having this sense of accomplishment. And it it's in whatever aspect of, of work you do, be it in design or listen, I'm sure that there are people I know that there are people who do accounting, who, who there's just music in it for them. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I think it's something that's innate in our souls and in our being that we all, um, strive to find ways of exercising. Mm, so beautiful. Wow. Amazing. Oh, this has been such a treat, Ray. Thank you so much oh, for gosh. taking the time to, hop on this call with us and um, be able to share your thoughts on interiors and um, just uh, all things, really. It's all been so well, beautiful. I have enjoyed it very much. And, and again, really appreciate the invitation to chat with you guys. Oh, really want to see you in person. Though. I know. Oh, I know. Boy, won't, <laughs> won't Spring High Point be so sweet if we all yes, get to come back fall, together fall. again? No. Please let fall. it be fall. Oh, fall, fall. I'm sorry. That's right. I'm so sorry. You know? I meant fall. It's just that spring chapter. outside. And <laughs> so I'm saying yeah. spring, but you're right. It is going to be hope fall. It's fall. Yeah, we're going to see we can you all, in the fall. <laughs> we got to get to the other side of this collectively as, uh, as a community and uh, our society. We got to bond together and figure out how to get to the other side. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And support each other as we, as we find that way. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. Yeah. brother. Yeah. So good. Well, thank you again so much, everybody. Uh, I would highly advise that you check out Ray Booth on Instagram. You can Google his work. Um, it is a treat to own his book, Ray Booth Evocative Interiors. 
you must read the foreword by Bobby McAlpine, his partner, um, founding partner at McAlpine and Tankersley. It is spiritual. Um, his work is absolutely extraordinary. I know that you'll be inspired by it too. Thank you so much for coming on today, Ray. Thank you. Pleasure to be with you guys. Hey, thanks for listening. If you like our show, please leave a five-star rating. 